listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Today I want to minister to you kind of a prophetic word. I've entitled it, Pushing Past Defeat in Your Life. And what I mean by that statement, pushing past defeat in your life, is simply this. Defeat is that place where you want to give up. Defeat is that place where you want to throw in the towel. Defeat is that place where you want to say, I don't want to bother stretching any farther. I don't want to bother pressing in anymore. I've just kind of given up. We need to press past that. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but in America today, there is a spirit of survival in America. Many Christians are in a survival mode. It's all about just getting by. In fact, they, they, they say that, that uh, guns and bullets are flying off the shelf right now. People are storing up, storing up, storing up. People are going out buying food, whatever. I, I want to tell you something. We should not be survivors. We should be overcomers. And I'm not against filling the cupboards full of food. But I am against having them in mindset of a survivor we are victors in christ jesus and we never have to worry about our needs being met because god is there to meet them we never have to worry about being down and out god is with us. we don't have to worry about having protection god is with us and so when you begin to put that in its proper focus it begins to cause your faith to arise up and i want to destroy today as much as possible as i can a spirit of defeat that is in some of God's people because God has called us to be victorious and not defeated. Now, to start with, I want to look at a verse in Jeremiah 29. If you've got your Bibles, you can open them to it or just look up in the screen. Now, the, I, I put verse 10 in here because I want you to see the context of this because I'm going to make a statement here that's very important, and you might want to write this down. A hope and a future is provided for all the children of God all the way up to the rapture of the church. In other words, there's not going to be seasons in our life where a hope and a future is not provided by God. It's not going to happen. Not everybody believes that, but I'm going to show it to you scripturally. Now, here's the verse. Thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word. Make a note of that good word. Say good word towards you and cause you to return to this place for i know that the thoughts that i think towards you says the lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope this particular set of verses was filled when jesus went to the cross and let me tell you why because the context of this is israel had gotten into sin and they were under judgment for 70 years the judgment had finally finished and so god now is displaying mercy on the people of god that's why he says i have a good word for you personally now here's the part i want you to see when jesus went to the cross he was judged for our sins amen he was judged for our sins so that we could have mercy. So the good word or the spell is preached right now. See, the word good, word good word that he talks about there is the same as the gospel. You find it in Isaiah 50, 54, I believe it is. It says this. It says, how blessed are the feet of those who preach good news. 
In other words, same things, same, same thing. And it actually comes from the ancient world when a, a city would send out their army in battle. They wanted to find out if, the, if they had won the battle or lost the battle. And so what they would do is with every army, they would have a marathon runner. As soon as the battle was over, the marathon runner would run from the battle and the watchman on the tower would watch for him. And they could tell the way he was running if he was bringing victory or defeat. And that good word is used when they had victory. And he could tell what the, the fact that he was shouting, he was running, that their army had won the battle. The good news is this, Jesus Christ has won the battle. I don't got bad news for you today. I got news, good news for you in Jesus' name. Amen? That's the good news. And so we're living in a dispensation or a time frame when a hope and a future is always provided for the believers. A lot of people think, well, it's just going to go from bad to worse to terrible. And that's the way it's going to be in the Jesus is going to rapture us. No, it's, if it goes from bad to worse to terrible in the world, it'll go from little grace to great grace to over-the-top grace to more than enough grace. And we will finish with great blessings, not less blessings. Come on, church. I'm telling you the truth here. That's why I say we need to uh, push past this spirit of defeat that you see oftentimes in a lot of people in the church, we need to break through it and get to the place that God has called us to personally. And in that text, if you read the next verse, it says, they will call on me and I will answer, or they will pray and I will answer their prayers. In other words, the reason why we have a future and a hope is because God answers our prayers. Now, what I like about that, he didn't say this is going to happen after the rapture. This is going to happen before the rapture. There's a verse in Isaiah, I love it, it says this, they will call on me and I will answer before they call on me. That's talking about the dispensation of time during the millennium after Christ comes back. But this that, we, that I'm quoting to you is happening in the day that we live in right now. When we pray, God answers. Amen. And because of that, I got a hope and a future in my life. I got a breakthrough. You got a breakthrough in your life. You got a blessing in your life. It's for you, church. Say amen. amen. We're not whipped and defeated. We're over the top. Now, I don't know about you, but I have had times when before I even asked it, God answered it. And God does it as a sign of the age to come. But what we have every moment is when we pray, God answers. Say it with me. When we pray, God answers. Now look at this verse with me, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Look what it says. For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down, make a note of this, the middle wall of separation. Having abolished in the flesh the enmity that is the law, commandments contained in the ordinance, so as to create in himself one new man from two, thus making peace. Now, what I want you to notice, it tells us then that Jesus Christ, when he came, he broke down the middle wall of petition. What is it? The Jewish tabernacle had a wall around it to keep the Gentiles out. 
In other words, they didn't want the Gentiles in the temple of God, so they put a middle wall around it. Jesus came and took those walls down. I want you to think, and I want you to imagine right now, every spiritual wall in your life has been tore down in Christ. Let me say it again. Every wall in your life that you have put up has been torn down in Christ. Christ. There's no spiritual barriers keeping you from the mercy of God. There's no spiritual barriers keeping you from God's grace and mercy. There's no barriers preventing you from receiving all that you need that pertains to life and godliness right now. Because how many know that sometimes we build our own walls, our own barriers? I learned this years ago that my biggest problems are never external problems. It's always the walls that I build in my mind, in my imagination, in my belief system that are hindering me from removing external walls. Those walls will cripple you. They will mess you up. They will destroy you. But uh, the good news is Jesus Christ has broken down the middle wall of petition, whatever was holding you back spiritually. That's why when Jesus was raised from the dead, it said that the, ve the veil of the temple was rent from the top to the bottom. In other words, that separation was opened up so that people now can run into the presence of God. People now can run and receive God's mercy. And are you all saved here this morning? You got any idea what I just said? I said there's no spiritual walls that are stopping you from the increase and the blessing that God has for you. Amen. Jesus broke it down. He destroyed it so that we might reign in life, so that we might proclaim the victory of God. There's no reason to be defeated. There's no reason to give up. There's no reason to throw in the towel. Jesus Christ is Lord of lords and King of kings. Boy, I like that. And what I want to do is I want to actually show you how in the age that we live in, the spiritual forces that we're dealing with. And what I want to do is, is do that to you by showing this in 2 Samuel chapter 5. There's a story that illustrates kind of the time that we're in right now. In the story, Israel disobeyed God and God gave them over to their captives. And what was interesting is they took the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant, Indiana Jones, you follow what I'm saying? The Ark of the Covenant is where God's presence was in the Old Testament. They captured it, and they took it into their city, and they put it in their temple with their god, Aegon. Aegon, most people think that it was a, a fish with a man's head and so forth. Anyway, they put it in there, and the next day they went in there, and Aegon had fallen over. Amen. What's happened to my idol? It fell over. They went in the next day. After they set it back up, it had fallen over this time. The hands and the head had fallen off the idol, and all that was left was the stomach of the idol. There's a spiritual truth here that I want you to hear. The world that we live in right now is trying to take captive the presence of God. 
They're trying to silence the church from declaring Jesus Christ is Lord. They're trying to silence our worship. They're trying to silence our praise. But I'm telling you that you cannot capture the presence of God and everything will bow the knee to it. Everything will give in to it. Everything will surrender to it. The name of Jesus, Jesus is greater. His presence is more powerful than the spirit that is in the world today. More powerful. And that spirit is able to defeat every idol, everything that tries to control us. I don't know if you've ever thought about it for a minute, but there is a spirit of the Pharaoh in America today that wants to control God's people. There's a spirit in America today that wants to turn men into women and women into men. Say amen. There's a spirit. <laughs> uh, there is a spirit that wants to divide your family, break up your marriage, break up your children. There's a spirit in America for that. There's a spirit of intimidation like the spirit of Goliath that wants to intimidate us, that wants us to be afraid, that wants us to draw back. But remember, with every Goliath, God raises up a David. And for every Jezebel, God raises up an Elijah. Hallelujah. Said hallelujah. I said hallelujah. For every Pharaoh, God raises up a Moses. Because nothing can stop the church from being victorious. I don't care what policy, I don't care who's in power. God Almighty is the one in power. In his son Jesus is seated in heavenly places far above every principality and power in Christ Jesus. And I'm not here to be defeated. I'm here to raise up. I'm here to proclaim Jesus. I'm here to proclaim holiness. I'm here to proclaim the will of the Lord and let the world receive it because God came to die for your sins. Everyone one sin from the White House down to the Senate, to the house, to the neighborhood. Jesus came to die for your sins. Amen. Woo. I mean, let me show you a verse. Put it up on the screen. Revelation uh, chapter 3, I believe it is. Put it up on the screen. I passed it over. You see this promise? To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. This was a promise given to the last day church, which is called the church of Laodicea. And this church is given a promise that God wants to establish the throne of David. He's not talking about spiritual thrones here. It's talking about a physical reigning on this life. That's what he's talking about. When God said to David, I'll establish your throne forever, he's talking about on this earth, not just in heaven. When you got saved, you were translated to the kingdom of darkness. You were made to sit in heavenly places. He's talking about here. And that's the promise he gave to the last day church. God wants us to reign. God wants us to proclaim. God wants us to win back the will of God in our culture, in our society. Amen. Hallelujah. And I'm not trying to be political. I'm just trying to be biblical. 
I'm telling you what the Bible says. I don't care what people say. I don't care what people think. That's the reality of it. I want to tell you something. The devil's not, the devil doesn't attack you because of your past. He doesn't attack you because you were, you compromised last week or you've been lukewarm. He doesn't attack you because of that. Satan attacks you because he's afraid what you can do in the future. The Bible said in Revelation chapter 12 that after Satan was cast out of heaven, it says now salvation and strength and power has come. And the power he's talking about is authority, delegated authority has now come. Satan is worried about what we're going to do in the future, the lives we're going to change, people that are going to get saved. That's, come on, he's afraid of that. He's not afraid of that. He's not attacking us because of the past. He's concerned you're another moment. Moses, you're another David, you're another Elijah, you're another mighty man or woman of God, one that can change things. You're another Esther. Come on. That's what he's afraid of. He's not afraid of the rest. He's not afraid of your past. He's afraid of what you can do right now in your life. I'm going to show you the solution to overcoming defeat in your life, a practical way that God changes things, how God brings to life that which is dead. And I want to start with a verse in Ezekiel. Put it on the screen if you would. And this is at the end of the chapter. But I want you to see in Ezekiel's time, they were a lot, a lot like us today. A lot of people have lost hope. Hope that someone will get saved. Hope that their marriage will get better. Hope that things will just get better in their life. Listen to what it says. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the house of Israel. They indeed say, our bones are dry, our hope is lost. Say it with me, our hope is lost. And we ourselves are cut off. Let me give you where this is coming from. Ezekiel was called in the ministry when he was 25 years old. And at that particular time, he was living in Jerusalem. And he, and he was being trained to be a priest. So his idea of ministry was, okay, I'm being, being trained to be a priest. I'm going to be in the temple. I'm going to be serving, offering him sacrifices, all that. That was his perception of it. But because Israel continued to sin, God gave them over to their enemies. And what happened when he was 25 is the enemies came in and destroyed the city, burnt the temple of God to the ground. Everything was in ashes. Everybody's hopes was dashed to pieces. And then he, along with thousands of other people, were held captive and brought into Babylon. So now he's in a place that he never wanted to be in, a place he doesn't want to be in, and something happens when he's about 30 years old. All of a sudden, he starts having visions. Not where he wanted to have the vision, but where he was. He was in the valley having visions. Some of you in the same boat here today, you're not where you want to be, but God's going to minister to you in the valley. In the valley, he's going to let you see the light. In the valley, he's going to give you hope. In the valley, he's going to give you the faith to get out of the mess that you're in. In the valley, in the valley, in the valley, in the valley. In the place you don't want to be, that's where God ministered these visions and dreams to him. And one of the dreams that he talked about in this chapter is the valley of dry bones. He gets in this vision. The Lord picks him up in the spirit. He comes into this valley. And there's all these dry bones. And God says, will these 
dry bones live. And he says, Lord, you only know. And then he says something very powerful. He says, speak to the bones. I want you to prophesy to the bones. And he begins to prophesy and the bones begin to, to move and come together. That's what this is about. But what I want you to see from the story, which is critical, is this. He was in a place he didn't want to be. He was in the valley of dry bones in Babylon. And my question to you today is this. Are you in a valley in the dry bones of Babylon? Is your valley in Babylon? Is your marriage dead or is it dying? Are you like someone that's had a desire to have children, but yet every time you have one, you have a miscarriage? Are you someone that's tried to succeed in your life, and every time you get promoted, you get laid off? Are you someone that has tried to pay off things, but you end up in more debt? Does it seem like things are dying rather than alive? Have you been investing in your kids instead of them coming closer to God? They're farther away from God than they were before. Maybe you're in that valley in Babylon. Something in your life that's dying. God's telling you by his word, and this is for America today, to prophesy to what is dying. I want you to prophesy to that marriage. I want you to prophesy to those finances. I want you to prophesy to this or that in your life that is falling apart. I want you to prophesy to it. There is great power in this because God's spirit works through the word. God's spirit will transform. God's spirit will rebuild. But you got to speak to that problem. You got to speak to that death and speak life to it instead of talking about it, instead of whining about it, instead of saying how bad it is. I'm going to prophesy more than enough. I'm going to prophesy fruitfulness. I'm going to prophesy holiness. I'm going to prophesy change. I'm Come on, church, you're getting a hold of what I'm saying here. It's the valley of dry bones. Many of us are in, and we struggle in our life. I read a story of a man by the name of Albert Einstein, and you can see the power in this from this story. Albert Einstein, when he was growing up, was just like any other boy, he had to go to school. And one day he was in school, and the teacher came up to Albert and says, I have this letter. I don't want you to show it to anybody but your mother. I want you to take this letter and give it directly to your mother. So Albert goes home and says, Mom, teacher told me that he wanted you to have this letter. So he gives it to his mother. Mother looks at it, and Albert says, What does it say? And the mother says, it says, Albert Einstein is one of the smartest students we have in our school, and we are unable to teach him he's so smart. And so Albert then was taught by his mother at home. After his mother had died, he was going through the house looking at all the things that she had and whatever, and he noticed the letter that his mother had written or his mother had read. So he picks it up and reads it, and here's what the letter basically said. Albert 
Alvin Einstein. Your boy is mentally ill. And we cannot teach him in our school. You're going to have to teach him yourself. Albert Einstein began to weep and cry after he read that. And he wrote in his diary years later, he said this, Albert Ivan Einstein was mentally retarded, but because of his heroic mother, he became one of the wisest and smartest men in his generation. Can you say amen? She wouldn't speak the death. She spoke life. And a lot of you here today, and maybe you're struggling with this or that, and, and all you want to do is talk negative about it. What I'm telling you is you need to prophesy over your problems. You need to prophesy over that lack of sleep. Prophesy over that fact of that anxiety in your life. Prophesy over it and say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I will prevail. It is blessed. My children are blessed. Doesn't matter what they do, they're blessed. My children are used by God. Come on, church. You got to speak and prophesy the word. I'm not going to be broke anymore. God's blessing is on my life. Speak the word over it. Prophesy on it. Amen. And something powerful will happen. Amen. You know, in Ezekiel, that chapter that we're talking about, there's something very unique said in that chapter. It's at the end, but in the prophecy, he says this. He says, I want you to prophesy to the breath. Breath, the word breath and spirit and the Holy Spirit are used interchangeable in Scripture. He said, I want you to prophesy to the spirit. And I want you to tell the spirit to go out from the north and the east and the west and what happens in the end of the chapter is the Spirit then creates this great army from prophesying to the Spirit. Hallelujah. I was studying that. I got so excited about it, and I began to realize how many times breath is used with the Holy Spirit. You remember in John the 20th chapter, after Jesus' resurrection, it says he breathed on them, said, receive the Holy Spirit, and they received the Holy Spirit. You also find in Scripture that when man was first created, God breathed in him and became a living soul. The Bible said the last day in Jesus became a life-giving spirit and breathed also life in his disciples. Amen. The breath of God, the breath of God, the breath of God. The Scripture also tell us when he was talking to Nicodemus about being born again, he says, uh, he says it, it's like the wind. It's like the wind. It's like the wind. You don't know which way it's happening. It just happens it's like the wind. And what about the day of Pentecost, there was a rushing mighty wind that came into that place. It was the Holy Spirit of God. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that when the Antichrist is destroyed, it says that, that Jesus will destroy him with the breath of his mouth. And what I'm here to tell you today is that the Holy Spirit is inside of you. And when you breathe out the word, and when you breathe out the, the commandments of God, and you breathe out 
out faith and you breathe out, come on, his word, the spirit of God comes on the situation, changes the situation, builds the situation. There's power in your breath. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river and we're doing life together. 